0: Called it holy discontent, loved where they were at with Christ, but also longed for even deeper still Christ like maturity. Let's talk about that next. Join us. Welcome to Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry born out of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Today we're back in the book of Romans chapter 8, specifically focusing in on verses 28 and 29, series called Life in the Spirit. Today we're focusing in on Christ-like maturity, what it is, what it looks like, and how you and I can work towards that goal. Please join us, a very encouraging look at the sanctifying process in the life of a believer. Here is our teacher and pastor with today's edition of Truth For Today Now.
1: God is in the business of changing you and I into his image in the realm of how we think about ourselves. Two, uh, it's in the realm of our will. He wants to change our will. Uh, And it would go this way. Uh, Christ said, I've come not to do my will, but the will of my Father. He said in Hebrews 5, 9, that though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. What is God trying to teach all of us? Just to do it his way. Now, how do you know God's will? Well, this is the clearest way. Uh, you can pray all day about some things. God, show me your will. You know, what color should we do with the carpets? You won't get a word from heaven on that. Let her pick them. You know, let me just save you some time. Let her pick them. Uh, stay out of the kitchen. Let her take care of the house. You just pay for it. There's some things you've got to know God will give you the wisdom to just let others do, and you'll be ahead. Where God has been explicit, do this, don't do that, this is the path, it's clear, God's will's not ambiguous. Some things, we need wisdom, what kind of car to buy, those, but things that are really matter to God, ultimately, he has revealed. And it's a wonderful thing, you know, in your own heart, if God's gotten you to the place that he's taught you, I'm not living for my will anymore. I'm living for the will of another. So that when you pray as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And that ought to be a part of our daily prayer routine. Thy will be done. Is that your focus. That's what God wants you to do. Are you living for your will or my will? Whose will are you surrendered to? Now, you read all the way through John. I did not come to do my will, but the will of the Father, of the one who sent me. I'm doing His will. I don't do anything. I don't even feed myself after 40 days in the wilderness when I'm being tempted to turn stones to bread. I will not feed myself, even though I have fasted 40 days and I'm being buffeted by demons. I will not make bread out of stones if this is not the will of my father. That was the test. I am in the will of God. I've been driven to the wilderness by the spirit and the will of God. And God has not sent me down here to meet my own needs. I'll wait. And after he resisted the temptation, God sent angels to feed him. The test in your life is not whether God can meet your needs and feed feed you, as it were, from heaven. It's whose will are you living for? Do it God's way. He's conforming me, He's conforming you. Do my will. Think of this what would you do in Gethsemane? I've prayed, all my disciples are asleep, I'm here alone. Such agony is overtaxing my body so that I'm sweating as though it were great drops of blood. I see the cross. I see the betrayal. I see the uh, abandonment of God on the tree. And I am wrestling with this assignment. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Would you serve God if you lost everything? You got any conditions on God? A favorite line I hear around here every once in a while, well, I'm mad at God right now. Oh, the obstinance of it. And I've done it. I know it. I I could write you a book on it. But the obstinance of the clay getting mad at the creator. As though I'm entitled to be mad at him who created me. For whose will will you live? He said he's conforming us. To the mind of Christ, to the likeness of Christ, Well, Christ lived for his Father's will, not his own? We need to ask ourselves, whose will gets us up in the morning? What keeps us putting in all these hours? Is it the will of the company or the will of God? Well, he goes on. I don't have time to look at them. I'll just give you the verses. First Peter 2 and 1 Peter 4. Peter said... God will conform you so that you'll learn to suffer and submit like Jesus Christ. That uh, see, and He gives this deal: suffer for doing the right. Isn't it a joy when once in your life you suffered finally for doing something right? You know, if you stole something, you got caught, and you went to jail. You're not suffering for Jesus. You just uh, you're suffering because you're a poor thief. You got caught. Don't blame that on God. But when you suffer in the path of obedience, in the will of God, and suffering comes, and hardship comes, Christ has left us an example not to get angry at God, not to write off people, but to surrender yourself to the will of God even when there's adversity in your life. It's a hard thing to suffer in the will of God, in the spirit of Jesus. Because pride, anger, uh, self-entitlement, see, self-pity is the opposite of pride, but they're both pride. Pride is arrogant. Self-pity is pride in reverse. I'm too worthy to have been allowed to suffer this because I am somebody you know. Why are you better than anybody else? I'm proud. None of us think we deserve anything but a promotion. Our human nature always thinks going up is our destiny. But what if God allows you to be sold out by your brothers? What if you are down there in a pit in Egypt? What if you're over here like Christ, suffering in the will of God, going to the cross, but I'm silent like a lamb before the shears. I will not curse God. I will not give threats. You remember Peter cuts off the servant's ear and Jesus says, put your sword away. I didn't come to fight physically. I could call 12 legions of angels. I can get out of this. I'm not stuck in the will of God. I'm submitting in it. And I've often thought if Christ was on the cross, but he had this kind of not just reaving, but he's saying, Man, I want to get out of this. What did doing the will of God? I got myself into a mess. If I can just get off the cross. No, no, would it not destroy it? But you see him on the cross saying, This is your will, Father. You and I already knew this plan way back before the foundations of the world. I've been slain in your mind before you ever made the physical created world. I can send it to this a long time. No, 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 nobody's gonna deliver me from this hour, but in your time, doing the will of God. I think of Amy Carmichael, the little brown-eyed Scottish girl, what in the world does God give a Scottish girl brown eyes and she winds up in India and Africa? And who does she work with but Indian people? And what does she wind up doing but rescuing the firstborn girls that are left on the temple steps to die because it's a shame to have a daughter for your firstborn child? And Amy, when she tried to get through temple guards, they, she'd wear a veil to conceal herself. What they looked for were those eyes, and they were brown eyes. Blue eyes would say she's an Anglo. There's something fishy. But brown eyes got her through, rescued hundreds and thousands of girls and started the dawn of her fellowship in Africa, rescuing girls from temple steps. And then she was plagued with crippling arthritis. And it seemed to all be over. But from her bed and her writing pad, she wrote one book after another of great poems. She wrote the very poem that is one of my favorites. Hast thou no scar? Yet I was wounded by the archers. Hast thou no scar? Yet my feet bear wounds for thee. Hast thou no scar? Then you have not followed far. For he who leads you has been scarred. Hast thou no scar? Hey, Fanny, I think of Fanny Crosby. A little blind girl that wrote songs for Moody and writes then I shall see him face to face. I want to tell you, none of us want to suffer, but it's amazing what God does in our character in the midst of suffering. And we find out more about our suffering and about our heart. He said in Deuteronomy 8, he tested them in the wilderness to show them what was in their heart. You can do good as long as everything's going your way and the money's coming in and this is going this way. But God in the crucible, Peter says, 1 Peter 2 and 4, that don't think it's strange when God turns up temperature to refine the dross. He's conforming you, making you into something you can't imagine. Um, I wanna just use one other verse and close with Ephesians. God is in the business of transforming you from a selfish person to a lover. And He said that in John 13. I have left you an example on how to love. I've shown you the full extent of my love in this upper room the night before my death. I've stooped, I've taken off uh, the outer garment, I've girded the towel. I've washed the feet of men that will all betray me or abandon me this night. Judas has already left the room. Eventually he leaves. Uh, And then uh, Peter, I will not deny you, you will. And all of them did. Come to see all pledged loyalty by you is a farce. There's not a loyal person in this church apart from the enabling grace of God. You yourself are pictured in Peter. He's as strong temperamentally as anyone here. And your faithfulness to God is that dependable unless God sustains you. That's how reliable the disciples were. And that's how reliable. You're not holding God up. He's holding you up. Don't ever forget that. I'll be faithful to the end. You won't be faithful for 24 hours if he doesn't sustain you. But he said, I want you... uh, to go out and to love the world and love one another first. Love one another like I've loved you and the world will observe you must be my followers. I think today one of the greatest cries is people to see a Christianity that's observable enough for us to be accused of loving. Have you ever been accused of being a lover? A lover of people. The kind of lover that would uh, stoop Wash feet, the kind of uh, love that serves, the kind of love that will, is willing to pour your life into a bunch of losers. At least for that night, they were. You know, I'll meet people. Yeah, yeah, I'm in your church. I, I met someone the other day. He said, uh, Yeah, we're going to another church. Why are you doing that? Well, we wanted to get into a big church so we can heal up. We've been hurt in so many other churches. Don't want to sign up again. I understand. Otherwise, you don't want to Take on any positions or any place where you have to be counted on. No, I just want to fall in the place and go home and don't let him, it's responsibility on me because no, no, I've been hurt too many times. I think of Christ in that room. He prophesies as God. Everybody in this room will abandon me tonight, but I thought I'd do something before you abandon me. What do you want to do? Give us a lecture? No, would you let me wash your feet and tell you I love you? I'm going to show you how much I love you in the midst of two brothers fighting, going in the upper room over who's gonna be the greatest, James or John, so the is going on, politics are going on in that room. And I just read in Matthew 26, they've just got through rebuking a woman at Simon's house because she was so stupid as to just open the alabaster jar pour it out. And then this profound statement, listen to it, in light of the cross, why this waste? Why get so carried away with Jesus 24 hours before the cross that you would give up your money to pour it on him? Jesus said what she did, I want it to be recorded for 2,000 years of history. She seized the moment to love me. And the rest of you are plotting how to get away. And right in the narrative in Matthew 26, and it says, And Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. A woman abandoned herself to pour out the alabaster. And over here, Judas brokered a deal for 30 pieces of silver. What a cheap price to sell God for! It was the compensation price in Deuteronomy for a gourd servant. You paid compensation to your neighbor if your ox gored him 30 pieces of silver. And they said, God, Yeshua, Messiah, Isaiah 53's God's not worth more than 30 pieces of lousy silver. And he said, I'd like to teach you how to love in the midst of people disappointing you, abandoning you, leaving you. Nothing can stop the love of Jesus from reaching us, even when we're failing him. And I tell you, I don't know that I even want to learn that kind of love, but he's been trying to teach it to me for a lifetime. He said in Ephesians, I conclude with this, that God gave help to the church in the form of gifted men that would teach people. And let me turn there in closing. Turn to Ephesians, if you will, chapter 4. Give me three minutes, and then just blow a whistle, and we'll go. Listen to what he says. He gave gifted men, verse 11, to prepare God's people. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, and the participles, truthing in love, speaking, it's really truthing in love. We will be in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its part. For 19 years, we just had some painters in our house a while back. And uh, they were painting and came to one of our bedrooms, came to the master bedroom. And they stepped inside our closet and the guys get made to paint. And Carolyn step, oh, no, 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 you can't touch that. You can't touch that. You know why? For 19 years, Erica, four years old, October, and we got what she, whatever the height was at four. Then JP, we got all the grandchildren been measured in that closet. We got it in pencil, we put the dates. Any of you ever do that? We've got them. This right on up there. And the guy's going me put the paint in, and Carolyn, don't you dare. That measures my grandchildren. And when they come over the house, you know, of course, when they reach adulthood, we let them go. <laughs> but as they're coming up, we've got all these measurements. And I'd like to thank that Jesus Christ, if he pulled out his measuring stick on your heart and life, God always measures greatness by putting the ruler around your heart and not your head. Greatness is measured in your heart, not the size of your head. And um, if we gave you this test, how are you submitting to Christ and bearing up under whatever hardships he may have assigned at this time? Uh, How are you doing on loving God's people? Uh, sometimes we're very ugly. Sometimes we're very difficult. There's nothing like thinking you're always, there's nothing harder to get along with than people who always think they're right and church people major in always being right. It could be a Pharisaical hangout. It's why so many fallen people think of the church last. I don't want to be stoned. I want to be helped. Do fallen people feel comfortable around you? What would you do with a fallen person? How about humility? I'll be putting out a book on that, how I attained it, and hope you buy it. Uh, Obedience? Is there any area in your life you're just not obeying God now? I don't know. Maybe you're in sin this morning over some area. He's going to teach you his will is best. His will is best. Are you doubting he's got a purpose for you? I love a song that Babby Mason wrote. It's one of my favorites. It's called Trust His Heart. It goes this way. All things work for our good, though sometimes we don't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes blind us to the truth. Our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just don't see Him, remember you're never alone. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. He sees the master plan and he holds our future in his hand. We see the present clearly, but he sees the first and the last. And like a tapestry, he's weaving you and me to someday be just like him. He alone is faithful and true. He alone knows what is best for you. He wants to shape you where you don't look like your physical father, but like your heavenly father and your heavenly elder brother. That is why he's chiseling on our character. It's so wonderful when you meet someone that's begin to look a bit like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Oh, no greater joy on this earth than meeting someone who's been chiseled into likeness to Christ. And that's why God has you on the wheel. And Jeremiah 18 said, when I looked and I saw the clay, it was broken. There was mortar in it. There was a rock in it. And I saw the potter and he broke it down. And he said, I will make it again. And it was Andre who wrote a song, The Broken Vessel. And I was that vessel that was broken and no one saw any good end but the potter. The potter's willing to work with the clay and shape you into something that will be a masterpiece in time. Our Father, we're on the potter's wheel and we're in the potter's hands. Shape our heart, our mind, our will, our behavior so it looks like our elder brother, Jesus. We, uh, We've got so much obstinance built in our genetic pool that only the power of the Spirit of God can overcome the downward pool. If it wasn't for the great truths of Romans 8 that the Spirit is delivering us from the law of sin and death, we could despair. But we have hope that you are going to conform us to the likeness and the image of your Son. For this will forever praise you and adore you. Amen.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series, taken from the book of Romans here in chapter 8, called Life in the Spirit. As we close out our program, we would remind you that copies of the program are available when you mention the date of the broadcast you're interested in. You can also, for a gift of $15 or more, take advantage of the series today's message was taken from. Ask for it by name, Life in the Spirit. And again, for a gift of $15 or more, we'll send it your way. One other option is to obtain the entire eight-set series out of Romans for a gift of $100 or more. Now, bear in mind, this is 47 sermons altogether. It's the entire book of Romans, start to finish. And again, for a gift of $100 or more, we'll send it your way. And please remember that as you do gift these amounts, it goes back to the radio program. It helps us continue the ministry here on this radio station. In fact, we would love to hear from you if you have a prayerful interest in becoming a TFT sustainer, which will also include a quarterly newsletter. Take a break with Pastor Phil, which is our weekly devotional video and a once a year special gift. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We just look for regular faithful givers that we might continue the ministry of the gospel here with Truth For Today on this radio station. Would you prayerfully consider that as you contact us? Here's how to reach us. 855-833-9864. That's our phone number. Again, toll free, 855-833-9864. If you'd rather write to us, the address is 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Also, stop by our website, valleybible.org. You'll learn a lot about us, who we are, and what we believe. In fact, if you'd like to join us for worship, you're in the Bay Area. Plan on visiting. Service times are at 9 and 11. Directions and more information, again, at valleybible.org. You can also find us on Facebook. All you need to do is get to the Google search in Facebook and look for Truth For Today Radio. And there we are. Please like the page and keep up to date with all that's happening here at Truth For Today. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.